0: Good deal, let's go Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we come to you again tonight as we look into your word, to the um, enduring word of God, the word of our God that stands forever. It's not like the grass that withers or the flower that fades, but it stands forever. And Father, I pray that our lives be built upon this rock of your word. So use your word tonight, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, let's look at this, and I don't know if I can control this or not. Okay, so uh, going back here to the looking at these lyrics. So, oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Let's go back and look. Grace that brought it down to man, my burdened soul found liberty. All right, so. Um mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. So he's talking about this mercy of God that's great, the grace of God that is free, the pardon of God that has been multiplied to us, the pardon from our iniquities and from our sins. From our rebellion, from our enmity against God, there is a pardon that has been given, and we sing of that. Okay, you guys can go to the PowerPoint slide now that I, uh, slides that I sent to you. The deal with Second Peter is that he's talking to the church, and he's concerned that they would sit in a congregation- you know nothing like this, probably, but in some sort of congregation and sing songs similar to what we were singing tonight and they would confess through those songs that Jesus has pardoned them of their sin, but if they are not diligent in their Christian life, that they would fail in years to come to be able to continue to sing about the pardoning that Jesus has given to them. You see, He does not take it for granted that they will always sing. He does not take it for granted that they will always hold to the truth of the gospel and stand in the truth in which they are presently found. But he comes to them through the written letter of 2 Peter to remind them and to stir them up to be diligent to keep on adding to their faith. To not just rest on a faith that they once had, but to continue to let that faith make a difference in their lives. And they stand in danger of falling away so that they are no longer able to sing the things that we just sang. Now, why do you say that? Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Why do I say that? Because we are certainly those who believe in the eternal security of the believer. But I tell you, we will not let doctrines that we hold to keep us from looking at a letter, looking at a book in the Bible, and letting it speak and say what it says. Because Peter has no intention here of leaving them to just sit back and rest and not be diligent. To not seek to add to their faith like the things we talked about this morning. He would have none of that. And I'll tell you, we should have none of that. We um, are too complacent. We are too lax many times. We are at ease in Zion, like the Bible would say in the book of Amos. Those in Israel had their summer houses and they had their winter houses and they were at ease in Zion. And we here in America, in American Christianity, we can be at ease in Zion and we can fail to be diligent in our faith and Peter would not have us do that. If you look at Second Peter chapter 2 you find him here in this entire chapter warning them warning them you see it at the very beginning of the chapter but there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Lord who bought them you see the kind of language that he uses here He uses this kind of language because these are the people who would be sitting in the pew singing these songs, maybe even leading in these songs, but yet they come to a point in their life where they deny the very Lord Jesus Christ who bought them. And it says there at the end of verse 2, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many, you see there in verse 2, will follow their destructive ways because of of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And what does it usually go back to? You see it in verse 3 By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Now, it doesn't end there. Go back, go over here to verse um, 18, if you would please, in this same chapter, because I want to show you right up front that. He hits hard on this. And because He hits hard on this, we have no choice but to hit hard on this as well as we come to the Bible, to the Word of God. In verse 18 He says, For when they speak, and that's these false prophets, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have escaped, who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Now that's key. Remember that word escaped right there. Let's go to the next verse, verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. That's these false teachers. They are promising liberty, but actually they are slaves of depravity. And they're promising their hearers liberty when they really don't have it to give them at all. And he goes on in verse 19, For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Now, verse 20. So, if we look at verse 19 and understand that correctly, it seems to be saying that the false prophets um, make who are slaves of corruption, they make their followers come into bondage under them. And now verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So apparently what he's saying here is you'd have been better off not to have ever sang about the pardoning of our sins that Jesus Christ gives us than having sung about it and claimed it as your own and then to deny it and turn from it. you had been better off not even to know about it. Because apparently the judgment, the condemnation that would rest upon you will be greater if you knew about it and then rejected it than if you did not know about it at all. So he's giving them a strict warning. I've already told you that according to verse 22, we can glean hope from this because it apparently is true that the person who does this never really had a, a change. Because it says, But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I want to go back here Uh, In verse 18, and I want to uh, point out that a couple of phrases to you. Verse 18, he says, The ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So the word escaped is found there. And then you go down to verse 20. He says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now go back to chapter 1, please. Here in chapter 1, verse 4, 2 Peter 1, verse 4, he says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Look at the last phrase. Having what? Escaped having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, there's no difference here between what is found in verse 4 and what is found in chapter 2. He's saying to these believers who have a like precious faith that they have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then in chapter 2, He writes to them about these who are deceived by false teachers and then begin to deny the Lord Jesus. And he says about them that they have escaped, or he says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So do you see how Peter didn't think it was impossible? He did not think that it was impossible for these people who sat in the church and these people who profess faith in Jesus Christ to one day be deceived and no longer even profess Jesus anymore. So I stand before you not as one who thinks, hey, it's a done deal, guys. You've, you've been baptized. You profess Jesus as your Savior. You guys are good to go. We're just going to, you know, sit back and have a good time. no. That's not what we do. We open the Bible and we look at it because we realize that we must be entrusted to to God and to the word of His grace by which we are able to be sanctified and have an inheritance among those who have faith in Christ. So we come back to the word over and over and over again because we can't take it for granted. That's why he says be diligent to add to your faith. Otherwise, if it was a done deal and everything's good, hey, why why say be diligent? Why later on say be even more diligent? You guys see? Does anybody here know of somebody who stopped believing? Do, Do you? I do. I know of students who've come through this school at LCA, graduated. When they were here, they were strong Christians. When they left, maybe years down the road, completely deny the gospel. Have nothing to do with it. And I don't stand here saying to myself, oh, that never happened to any of y'all. I say, it may happen to you if you are not diligent. If you do not add to your faith. If you don't take heed to yourself. If I don't take heed to myself, it could happen to me. It could happen to you. Now, I'm not saying I can understand all these things exactly. All I can say is I'm opening up 2 Peter, and this is what I see. So we have to deal with it. And I have to stand before you saying, be diligent. Add to your faith. Be even more diligent. Now, if you look at verse 10 in chapter 1, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I... uh, I reworked the PowerPoint here on this first slide because I really blew it this morning. I, I wish somebody would have pointed it out to me. Verse 5 doesn't even have these things in it. And I uh, somehow got that in my mind. But uh, here, And I missed the one. So I have I think I have everything up on the screen now that is accurate. Um, we see these things come up in verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 12, verse 15. Where Peter is writing and, and emphasizing these things. And I noticed today that in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. He liked those two words, these things. So that's what we're keying on here. We looked at these things and we saw that they're uh, listed and they are to be added. And we saw how they're added to faith. Those things that are found, though, there's those seven, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Now I want to take a minute. Are there any questions about those that y'all had uh, this morning that we didn't explain well enough? I'm certain that I didn't explain everything as well as I should have. But is there anything lingering there with these? I, I have to believe that they are intentional in the order that they are given in. It's not random, but he's intentional in the way that he has laid those out there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, Caleb? Well, the virtue is a a goodness, an excellence, a moral excellence that comes from our faith. And the godliness is, um, maybe we could look at that as more of a having God in mind in everything that we do. So we're living our lives intentionally before God because we want to bring Him glory and honor. So I guess that might be the difference in it. Virtue is just living out goodness according to our faith. The other is godliness in light of our lives are before God. That's about all I have on that. Somebody might have a better explanation than I do. Godliness seems to be sort of the result that comes from those first four. Do you have anything on that? Okay. Anybody else on these? Again, I want to challenge you this week. In everything that you do, ask yourself, is this virtuous? Is this good? Is this excellent? Is this morally excellent before God? Okay. All right. So we'll go to our next, uh, and then you see the result of that found in these next points. Um, Doing these things makes us useful and fruitful. It keeps us seeing and remembering. It makes us sure of God's saving work, which is sort of where we're picking up tonight in verse 10. And then the last one is it allows us to be supplied abundantly with, an, with entrance into, into heaven, into the heavenly kingdom. Okay? Then You know, I gave you all that illustration at the end of the sermon today with the kid riding the bicycle down the road and just kind of coasting along, not paying attention. We do that because in our Christian lives, we think, oh, okay, I've done this. I've done this before. Uh, I've been doing this for years. I'm just going to keep on coasting along in my Christian life. But in the times when we're alone, the times when we should be praying, the times when we ought to be reading the Bible and seeking God through His Word, we begin to neglect those things put them off to the side. We think, I've done that already. Maybe it didn't work out the way I wanted it to before, but I've done those things. I've checked that box. And we put it to the side and stop doing it. And God's not calling us to that. God is calling us to diligence in our walk with the Lord. Now, before we get too far in this and we looked at those all those characteristics, I want you to realize something. If we're able to do all those things, if we add all of that to our faith, did, did we do it? Did, did we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do it? I need to make sure I make this point clear. Because it's not that at all. If you look back up to verse 3 in chapter 1. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. See, twice here we see that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given to us great and precious promises. So if at the end of the day, at the end of our day, when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be able to stand there and take credit saying, Lord, I did all of this. No, the only reason we did it is because He gave to us life and godliness. Everything we needed has been given to us, supplied to us by God through Jesus Christ our Savior. Does that make sense? He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But here's the deal. We fail to realize that and we stop trying. Things don't come to us easy, so we just kind of quit. It's not that important to us. Apparently the Lord doesn't want us to be godly. No, He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But it takes diligence. It doesn't come easy. I heard somebody say... Um, well, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it has to do with nothing that is worth having is comes easy. You know, it's hard. Life is hard. Christian life is hard. All right, so let's take a look here at verse 10 and 11 real quick. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. And I'm going to jump over that for the time being and go to the end of the verse. He says, "For if you do these things, you will never stumble." So, what is the um, what's the safety net? What is the what is the assurance that these Christians can have that they that they will not end up like a chapter like the people in chapter two? Well, the assurance that they can have is that. They have these things. They're adding them to their faith. And if they're doing that, Peter says, You will never stumble. And listen, guys, there's a guy writing this letter who knew something about stumbling. Y'all remember Peter? Lord, I'll never deny, I'll die. Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And Peter denied him three times. Peter knew what it meant to stumble. And he's writing to these Christians because he does not want them to follow his footsteps. He wants them to be sound and secure. And the way they would do that was not by being lazy. So, you notice there... Do these things. Do these things. Let's take a look at this for a second. I know I'm going to run out of time. and um, I actually probably shouldn't do it. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to verse 11. Maybe if we've got time, I'll go back to it. Um, no, let's go with it, okay? Um, if you would, I'm sorry to be an idiot on that. But um, turn in your Bibles real quick. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, verse 24. Because so what I'm doing here is I want to uh, support what Peter is saying by some things that we find in the Gospels. I want to emphasize what Peter is saying by what we find in the Gospels, and then we'll look at James. All right, Matthew 7, 24. If you got it, say amen. All right, real quick. Therefore. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know how the rains came and everything, and it wasn't destroyed. But now verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them uh, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You see? Perhaps Peter had this in his mind. He heard these words of Jesus come out of the Savior's mouth. Now, if you look over at Mark 3, verse 35. Mark 3, verse 35. This is that instance where Jesus' mother and brothers come to Him. Standing outside. Multitude all around Jesus. Multitude says, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Verse 32. Verse 33. But he answered them saying, who is my mother and my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here is my mother and my brothers. All right, Now, I want to ask you the question. The answer is in the Bible. I don't want you to come up with it on your own. But Jesus just said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now I need you to answer this question: who who is his mother and his brothers? What does it say? As my brother sister and mother. See it? For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Hell will be full of people who knew what to do but did not do it. That is the difference between the converted person who believes in the Lord and is following Him and the person who is not. Now let's go to another one. Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Luke 6, verse 47. This again is uh, Luke's account of what we read in Matthew. All right, if y'all got your Bible, be turning there. Luke 6, verse 47. I just want to emphasize this again, seeing that Luke wrote it as well. Uh, but why do you verse 46? But why do you call me Lord Lord and do not do the things which I say? See what he says? You call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do the things which I say. Verse 47. But whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like and then he's like a man who built his house up on the on the rock. We need to go ahead and read verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Is that easy? What what we just read, is that easy digging deep? You 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 do construction work, Sam, you know digging deep and laying the foundation on the rock, it's not easy. It takes diligence. And Jesus is saying, that's the kind of people my followers are. They're those who dig deep and lay their foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. See, he took the easy way out. He was okay with where they where he was. Chapter eleven, Luke eleven, twenty-eight. Luke eleven, twenty-eight. All right. So in Luke eleven. Um. Here's I'll just read verse 27. It says, And it happened when he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Verse 28. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You see, in other words, what he's saying there is, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. It doesn't go in one ear and out the other ear. You don't forget what you look like, but you do it. You continue in it. There's another one, John chapter 13, verse 17. Now, this is one of those things, and I've told, I think, the group in the Bible study this past summer, then I have these scripture references written all together in Matthew 7. So whenever I need them, I have them all listed out there. I don't have to look them up every time. So when you're studying the Bible, you need to, you know, I encourage you. I'm not going to say you need to, but I'm going to encourage you. Hey, pay attention. And when you see themes repeated over and over again, and maybe it's scattered out, start jotting those down in one place. I have several lists in my Bible where I'm jotting stuff down as I run across it when I'm reading through there. So I don't have to go back and look these up every time. I have them written down, and now we're just working our way through them. John 13, 17. Here's um, the context here. You guys know what the context is of chapter 13, don't you? Jesus was what? Washing the disciples' feet. All right, so uh, that's taking place. Verse 15, he says to them, For I have given you an example that you should, what? Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as, I have done to you. do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, check this out, because this sums it all up. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you what? do them. See, in 2 in Peter chapter 1, he knew that they had the knowledge of God, their Savior, Jesus Christ. They had that saving knowledge. And they had the knowledge of what they are to do as followers of Jesus. But he doesn't say, you're good if you know it. No, he says, you, have, you will not stumble if you do these things. So the doing of it is essential. And we must not be a people who think we stand. Because just as quick as we think we stand, we will fall. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Our problem is our arrogance. That we don't seek the Lord through prayer we don't seek the Lord through his word we figure we've heard it, we'll hear it on Sunday we've read it before we know the stories from growing up and we don't seek God through his word that we must know if we will stand upon it so the last one we went over this in small group this morning James chapter 1 verse 27 because this gives us the key this sums it all up James chapter 1 it's right after Hebrews if you can find the book of Hebrews, then we'll go to the book of James in verse 27 because here he gives us the key to it in verse, in, in verse 25 actually, not verse 27. But in James 1.25, he's talking about this looking into the law of liberty which we, um, I think, determined this morning that that is talking about the word of the Lord that brings salvation to us by which we live and have life. But in verse 25 he says but he who looks now before that he was talking about the man who beholds his image in a mirror verse 23 natural face in a mirror verse 24 says for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was okay that's that's what a person is like who hears the word but doesn't do the word verse 22 Now, in verse 25, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and, see it, what comes next? And continues in it and is not a, what, forgetful hearer. Remember what Peter said this morning? That those who don't do these things are short-sighted even to blindness and have forgotten that they were cleansed from from their sins. And here... He says, "You continue in it, you, then you are not a forgetful hearer, but a what? Verse 25, a doer. So you are a doer of the work. And then you see in verse 25, this one will be blessed in what he what does. Not what he knows. You're not going to be held accountable one day for what you know. You're going to be held accountable for one day for what you do. Look at it. It's all over the Bible. He will judge us by our works. There is only one work that saves. That's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But we will be held accountable for what we do. And our doing is based upon should flow out of our knowledge. Now, um, that brings us to verse eleven in chapter one, Second Peter. For so, that is, if you don't stumble, if you do these things and you don't stumble, you. He says you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 19, He says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's talking about the new life that we have in Christ. The eternal life we have in Christ. We're going to look at that later, God willing, in later sermons. Now, in chapter 3, In verse 11. He says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Being on fire. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless. We, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. I read those passages because Peter later on talks about this eternity. He likens it to a morning star rising in our hearts. He tells us there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where there's no more sin but where righteousness dwells. And in chapter 1 he says if we do these things we'll never stumble for so an entrance Will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when you die, do you want people to wonder about your soul? Do you want people to wonder i just i don't know he he knew a lot. He he said a lot of good things. I just I just don't know. Peter is giving them a way of assurance, and it may be that some of you here tonight are doubting your salvation. You've been baptized, you have, you know, you say you believe the gospel, and you you maybe go to church. Maybe you're obviously you're here tonight. But you're doubting. And I want you to know that Peter is laying out for us here a way that you can stop doubting. Now, if you've never believed the true gospel, you're not saved. The true gospel that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, he rose again on the third day and he appeared alive from the dead. It was confirmed that this man who was dead is alive. If you've never come to a place in your life where you say, I have nothing but Jesus. I am hoping in Him. He is my salvation. Then you're not saved. You need to embrace the gospel. You need the like precious faith. But if you've embraced that at some point in your life and you know that you have and you've struggled and you doubt, Peter's given your way out. And it comes through diligence. Diligence with the things that we see here. Now, as I promised, and again, I, I failed to do what I said, and I'm sorry. I'm not haven't talked about calling an election, but that's that's the essence here. And here's what I challenge you to do: go back through First and Second Peter, look up the word calling or called or call, and see where it's found in First Peter and Second Peter. Do a little study. Look up the word election. He begins 1 Peter by saying elect according to the foreknowledge of God our Father. So elect is the way that he dealt with them and the way that he addressed them. They have chosen, been chosen by God, been called effectually by the gospel of God to salvation in Christ. And you see, as we do those things which he has given to us, we are able to be sure of God's work in our life. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I ask you to give us grace that we might heed this Scripture. That we might not take for granted, Lord, the Gospel. God, that we might learn how to live out the Gospel here in in America today in 2023. Lord, to, to really learn to to live it and I ask you God for special grace this week please give us grace Lord that we might examine our ways knowing that all of our ways are before God and Father that we would repent where we need to repent that we would submit where we need to submit where we would serve where we need to serve God where we would grow where we need to grow Lord help us We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his name and by his saving work that we come and pray to you, asking this of you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.